Okay, so we have the car payment, the rent, utilities, and the repair bill. <sighs> what should we do? I know. I'm going to CashNetUSA.com. I can apply in minutes, get an instant decision, and if approved, we could have the money in our account as soon as the same business day. When you need money fast, be the hero. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need now. The exact timing as to when your loan funds will be available will be determined by your banking institution. The Norwood Builder by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Dramatized by Grant Eustace with Roy Marsden as Sherlock Holmes and John Moffat as Dr. Watson. As my friend Sherlock Holmes and I sat after breakfast in our sitting room, he began to protest, as he was prone to do, that his powers as a detective were not being sufficiently taxed. From the point of view of the criminal expert, Watson, London has become a singularly uninteresting city since the death of Professor Moriarty. Oh, I can hardly think that you would find many decent citizens to agree with you. <laughs> well, I must not be selfish. Uh, but with that man in the field, one's morning paper presented infinite possibilities. Often it was only the smallest trace, the faintest indication. And yet it was enough to tell me that the great malignant brain was there. As the gentlest tremors of the edges of the web remind one of the spider which lurks in the centre. But now... He shrugged his shoulders in humorous deprecation of the state of things which he himself had done so much to produce. But as he unfolded his newspaper, our attention was arrested by a ring at the bell, followed by a drumming on the outer door. As it was opened, there came a tumultuous rush into the hall, rapid feet clattered up the stair, and an instant later, a wild-eyed and frantic young man burst into the room. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes. Uh, you, you mustn't blame me. I, I'm nearly bad. Sir, I am the unhappy John Hector McFarlane. Mr. McFarlane, I should be glad if you would sit down in that chair and tell us very slowly and quietly what it is that you want. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Now... You mentioned your name as if I should recognize it. But I assure you that beyond the obvious facts that you are a bachelor, a solicitor, a Freemason, and an asthmatic, I know nothing whatever about you. Familiar as I was with my friend's methods, it was not difficult for me to observe the untidiness of attire, the sheaf of legal papers, the watch charm, and the breathing which had prompted his deductions. And in addition, I am the most unfortunate man at this moment in London. If they come to arrest me, Mr. Holmes, make them give me time so that I may tell you the whole truth. Arrest you? This is really most gratifying. Uh, most interesting. I could go to jail happy if I knew that you were working for me outside. Yes, but on what charge do you expect to be arrested? The murder of Mr. Jonas Oldacre of Lower Norwood. Jimmy, it was only a moment ago that I was saying to Dr. Watson here that sensational cases had disappeared out of our papers. If you had looked at this morning, sir, you would have seen at a glance the errand on which I have come to you. Uh, would you be so kind, Watson? Yes. Um, uh, you are, here we are. Mysterious affair at Lower Norwood. Disappearance of well-known builder. Suspicion of murder and arson. Oh. Police have clue to criminal. That is the clue mm. which they are already following, Mr. Holmes. And I know that it leads infallibly to me. Oh, it'll break my mother's heart. We must use what time we have. Uh, Watson, would you have the goodness to read me the rest of the report? Mm. The newspaper, as usual, was full of embellishments. But the story in its essentials concerned a wealthy retired builder, Jonas Oldacre. 
At midnight, a small timber yard at the back of his house had caught fire and burned fiercely. Once it had been put out, it was learned that Mr. Oraker was nowhere to be found. His bed had not been slept in, a safe in his room stood open, and papers were scattered about, and there was evidence of a struggle. Slight traces of blood were found in the room, and on the handle of an oaken walking stick. The stick is mine, Mr. Holmes. Indeed. Uh, the report goes on to say, it is known that Mr. Oldacre received a late visitor, a young London solicitor named John Hector McFarlane. Oh, the case certainly has some points of interest. Is there anything else of note, Watson? Um... Well, marks have been found as if some bulky object had been dragged across the wood pile, and charred remains found among the ashes of the fire. Yes. Well, according to the paper, the police theory is that Oldacre was clubbed to death, his papers rifled, and his body incinerated on the wood stack. There appears to be enough evidence to justify your arrest, Mr. McFarland. May I ask how it is that you're still at liberty? Uh, I, I live in Blackheath with my parents, Mr. Holmes. But last night, having to do business very late with Mr. Oldacre, I stayed at an hotel in Norwood and came straight to my business from there. I knew nothing of this affair until I was in the train when I read what you have just heard. You say you came directly to Baker Street to put the case in my hands? I had no doubt I should have been arrested either at my city office or at my home. A man followed me from London Bridge Station, and I have no doubt... Uh, Great heaven, what's that? Oh. After the front door had been opened, there were heavy footsteps upon the stair, and our old friend Inspector Lestrade came in. Ah, good morning. Excuse me, Mr. Holmes. Mr. John Hector McFarlane. Yes? I arrest you for the willful murder of Mr. Jonas Oldacre of Lower Norwood. One moment, Lestrade. Hmm? Well, this gentleman was about to give us his account of this very intriguing affair, which may aid us in clearing it up. Oh, I think there will be no difficulty in clearing it up. Oh, nonetheless, with your permission, I should be very much interested to hear his account. Well, Mr. Holmes, it's difficult for me to refuse you anything. At the same time, I must remain with my prisoner. Oh, of course. So I am bound to warn him that anything he may say will appear in evidence against him. All I ask is that you should hear and recognise the absolute truth. Very well. I'll give you half an hour. No more. The young solicitor began by explaining that he knew nothing of Jonas Oldacre, save that many years before his parents had been acquainted with the builder. I was very much surprised, therefore, when yesterday, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he walked into my office in the city. Scribbled notes, Mr. McFarlane, uh, are my will. Oh. I want you to cast it into proper legal shape. Uh, I'll stay here while you do so. Oh, uh, please sit down then, Mr. Oldacre, mm. and, uh, and I'll... <laughs> Good Lord! What is it? But, Mr. Oldacre, you wish to leave the best part of your property to me. That is correct, but you scarcely know me. I knew your parents long ago. I'm a bachelor with no living relation. In any case, I've always heard of you as a, a very deserving young man. I'm sure the money will be in worthy hands. Well, I really don't know how to thank uh, you. Just write it all down for me. The will was duly finished, signed and witnessed by my clerk. And this is it? On the blue paper. These slips are the original draft. That still doesn't explain how you came to be in Norwood. 
Our mind won't be easy, Mr. McFarlane, until the whole thing is settled. Uh, could you come out to my house uh, tonight? If you feel it is essential. Uh, yes, uh, there are, in any case, a number of documents uh, that I should uh, like you to see, to understand. Uh, but remember, my boy, uh, not one word to your parents until everything is settled. Huh? Of course. Uh, we'll keep it as a surprise. You could hardly refuse someone who was your benefactor. No, indeed. So I sent a telegram home that I had important business on hand and could not say how late I might be. What time was your meeting? Mr. Oldacre told me to come to supper at nine, but I had some difficulty finding the house, oh. so it was nearly half past before I reached it. I found him... Uh, one moment. Who opened the door? A middle-aged woman who was, I suppose, the housekeeper. Mr. McFarlane? Yes, Come in. You're expected. And she used your name? She did. Pray proceed. I was shown by this woman into a sitting room, where a frugal supper was laid out. Afterwards, Mr. Oldacre led me into his bedroom, in which stood a large safe. This he opened and took out a mass of documents, which we went over together. When did all this finish? Between eleven and twelve. And you left immediately afterwards? Yes. He showed me out through his own French window, which had been open all the time. Why should he do that? He said we must not disturb the housekeeper. No, but uh, what about your stick? I couldn't find it. Never mind, my boy. Uh, I shall see a good deal of you now, I hope. Yes. Uh, when I find your stick, uh, I'll keep it, uh, and you can come back to claim it. <laughs> so you left him with the safe still open and the packets of documents upon the table? Yes, and I spent the night at the Annerley Arms. Anything more you would like to ask, Mr. Holmes? Not until I've been to Blackheath. You mean to Norwood? Oh, oh yes. Yes, no doubt that is what I must have meant. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I think I should like to have a word with you presently, Mr. Holmes. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. McFarlane, two of my constables are outside. Oh. Take him down to the station. Yes, sir. This rough draft of the will is a very scrappy document. Yes. You can read it clearly in several places, but in between, the writing's very bad. There are three places where I cannot read it at all. Well, what do you make of that? Well, I... <clears throat> what do you make of it? Um, well, that it was written in a train. Hmm? Well, the good writing represents stations, the bad writing movement, and the very bad writing passing over points. <laughs> this was therefore drawn up on a suburban line, since nowhere save in the immediate vicinity of a great city could there be so quick a succession of points. Granting that Old Acre's whole journey was occupied in drawing up the will, the train was an express stopping only once between Norwood and London Bridge. Oh, <laughs> you're too many for me when you get onto your theories, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> How does this bear on the case? Ah, well, it corroborates the young man's story to the extent that the will was drawn up by Jonas Oldacre on his journey yesterday. But it is curious, is it not, that a man should draw up so important a document in so haphazard a fashion, as if, in fact, he attached little importance to it. Well, he drew up his own death warrant at the same time. It is possible, but, but the case is not clear to me yet. Oh, what could be clearer? McFarlane had motive. He could succeed to a fortune. He had opportunity. The only other person in the house was in bed. He had a weapon. His stick. Yeah, but why...
burn the body. Well, the bloodstains are very slight. It is probable that he thought the crime completely bloodless and that he could hide all traces of the method of death. <laughs> is all that not obvious? <laughs> yes, but it, it strikes me, my good Lestrade, as being just a trifle too obvious. Hmm? You do not add imagination to your other great qualities, but if you could for a moment put yourself in the place of this young man, would you choose the very night after the will had been made to commit your crime? If I was greedy enough, I might. And choose an occasion when you are known to be in the house. And take great pains to conceal the body, and yet leave your own stick as a sign that you were the criminal. You know as well as I do that a criminal is often flurried, and does things a cool man would avoid. And just notice this point, Mr. Holmes. So far as we know, none of the papers were removed. And the prisoner is the one man in the world who had no reason for removing them, since he would come into them in any case. Mm. Yes, as I don't deny the evidence is in some ways very strong in your favour. I only wish to point out that there are other theories possible. The future will show which is right. Well, I dare say that in the course of the day I shall drop in at Norwood and see how you're getting on. When Lestrade had left, Holmes rose and made his preparations for the day's work with the alert air of a man who has a congenial task before him. Uh, my first movement, Watson, must be, as I said, in the uh, direction of Blackheath. And uh, why not Norwood? Uh, because in this case we have one singular incident uh, at Norwood. Uh, coming close upon the heels of another singular incident. The, the curious will. Mm -hmm. You see, the police are making the mistake of concentrating on the second of them because it happens to be the one which is actually criminal. Yes. Uh, but the logical way to approach the case is to throw some light on the first. Mm. Can I be of any help? Uh, no, no, my dear fellow. If there is no prospect of danger, I should not dream of stirring without you. It was late when my friend returned, and I could see by a glance at his anxious face that his high hopes had not been fulfilled. It's all going as wrong as it can, Watson. Oh. All my instincts are one way, and all the facts are the other. And I much fear the British juries have not yet attained that pitch of intelligence when they will give the preference to my theories over Lestrade's facts. Uh, did you go to Blackheath? I, I did. That was to see his family? The father was away in search of the son, but the mother was at home. Mm. And she spoke with such bitterness of old Dacre that she was unconsciously strengthening the case for the police. Mm. If her son had heard her speak of the man in that fashion, it would predispose him towards hatred. Oh, what had old Dacre done to make Mrs. McFarlane so angry? She had been engaged to him, but had broken it off when she heard how he had let a cat loose in an aviary. Oh. Miss Oldacre sounds very unpleasant. And he bore a grudge. For example, he sent Mrs. McFarlane a mutilated picture of herself on her wedding day. Oh, disgraceful. And yet he left all his property to her son. Which he wanted nothing to do with. So I gave up Blackheath and went off to Norwood. With any more success? Scarcely. The police had spent the morning raking the embers, and besides some charred organic remains, they'd secured several discoloured metal discs. They were clearly trouser buttons, and one even bore the name of Oldacre's tailor. Mm. You examined the ground, of course. Oh, for an hour, with the August sun on my back, and got up no wiser than before. Uh, was it the same inside the hut? Only one little gleam of hope did I get. It seemed to me that the contents of the safe were not all there. There were allusions to some deeds, uh, possibly the more valuable, which I could not find. 
But if you could prove that, it would turn Lestrade's argument against himself. Indeed. Who would steal a thing if he knew he would shortly inherit it? Mm. And what of the housekeeper? Uh, Mrs. Lexington. Yes, I I'm convinced she could tell us something if she would. Uh, but she was as close as wax. Yes. I let Mr. McFarlane in at half past nine. Oh, I wish my hand had withered before I'd done so. When did you go up to bed? At half past ten. Trouble is, my room is at the other end of the house, and I heard nothing of what passed. I was only woken by the alarm of fire. Had Mr. Oldacre any enemies? Well, every man has enemies, sir. But Mr. Oldacre kept himself very much to himself and only met people in the way of business. Hmm. Have you seen the buttons the police found in the fire? Yes, sir. They belong to the clothes poor Mr. Oldacre was wearing last night. And uh, she knew nothing about the papers? Nothing. So, my dear Watson, there's my report of a failure. And yet... And yet you know it's all wrong. I can feel it in my bones that there is something that has not come out. And that housekeeper knows it. There was a sulky defiance in her eyes which only goes with guilty knowledge. But unless we succeed in establishing an alternative theory, this man McFarlane is lost. Yeah. Was there nothing else of interest in the papers? One oddity which may serve as a starting point, the low state of the balance in his bank book was principally due to several large cheques which had been made out in the last year to a Mr. Cornelius. Oh. I confess I should be interested to know who this Mr. Cornelius may be, with whom a retired builder has such very large transactions. The following morning we received a telegram from Norwood. Important fresh evidence to hand. McFarlane's guilt definitely established. Advise you to abandon case. Lestrade. This sounds serious. Uh, it's Lestrade's little cock-a-doodle of victory. And yet, fresh evidence is a two-edged thing and may cut in a very different direction to that which Lestrade imagines. We started out at once for Norwood. Within the gates of the house, Lestrade met us, his face flushed with victory. Ah, you must acknowledge that we have been a little in front of you this time, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> you certainly have the air of something unusual having occurred. <laughs> Step this way, gentlemen, if you please. Mm -hmm. And I think I can convince you, once and for all, that it was John McFarlane who did this crime. He led us through the passage and out into a dark hall beyond. Now, look at this. Mm. Oh. A stain of blood. <clears throat> Much more than a stain. A thumbprint. You are aware that no two thumb marks are alike. Uh, yes, I have heard something of the kind. Well then, will you please compare that print with this wax impression of young McFarlane's thumb taken by my orders this morning? Hmm. Yes, they are undoubtedly the same, Holmes. And that is final. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> An extraordinary change had come over Holmes's face. His two eyes were shining like stars. It seemed to me that he was making desperate efforts to restrain a convulsive attack of laughter. Oh, well, um, hmm, who would have thought it? It's a lesson to us not to trust to our own judgment. 
And what a providential thing that this young man should press his thumb against the wall in... Uh, well, what do you think he was doing, Lestrade? Well, taking his hat from the pack. Oh, yeah, of course. That would be it. Mm -hmm. Who made this remarkable discovery? It was the housekeeper, Mrs. Lexington, who drew our attention to it. But why didn't the police see this mark yesterday? Well, we had no particular reason to make a careful examination of the hall. <laughs> I suppose there is no doubt that the mark was there yesterday. <laughs> I don't know whether you think McFarlane came out of jail in the dead of night in order to strengthen the evidence against himself. <laughs> if you have anything practical to say, you'll find me writing my report in the sitting room. Well, this is a very sad development, Holmes. And yet there are singular points about it which hold out some hopes for our client. Mm, I'm delighted to hear it. I was afraid it was all up with him. I will hardly go as far as to say that, Watson. The fact is there is one really serious flaw in this evidence to which Lestrade attaches such importance. Indeed. And what is it? Only that I know that mark was not on the wall when I examined the hall yesterday. Oh. Hmm. And now... Let's have a little stroll in the sunshine. Hmm. With a confused brain, I accompanied my friend in a walk round the garden. Holmes took each face of the house in turn and examined it with great interest. He then led the way inside and went over the building from basement to attics, examining every room minutely. Finally, on the top corridor, outside three untenanted bedrooms, he was again seized with a spasm of merriment. <laughs> Do you know, there are really some unique features about this case, Watson. Mm -hmm. I think it is time to take our friend Lestrade into our confidence. He's had his little smile at our expense, and perhaps we may do as much by him. <laughs> the Scotland Yard inspector was still writing in the parlour when we interrupted him. Lestrade? Oh, no. Don't you think your report may be a little premature? Oh, what do you mean, Mr. Holmes? Only that there is an important witness whom you've not seen. And can you produce him or her? I think I can. Then please do so. I'll do my best. How many constables have you? Hmm? Well, there are three within call. May I ask if they're all men with powerful voices? What? Well, I have no doubt they are, though I fail to see what their voices have to do with it. Perhaps I can help you to see that, and one or two other things as well. <sighs> Kindly ask your men to bring a couple of buckets of water and, and some of the straw they'll find in the outhouse. Hmm? They can join us on the top landing. <laughs> there was a broad corridor there, which ran outside the three empty bedrooms. We were all marshalled at one end by Holmes, the constables grinning, and Lestrade staring at my friend in amazement. Put the straw on the floor here, free from the wall on either side. Now, now, I think we're all ready. I don't know whether you're playing a game with us, Mr. Holmes. If you know anything, you can surely say it without all this tomfoolery. I assure you, my good Lestrade, that I have an excellent reason for everything that I do. You may possibly remember that you chaffed me a little when the sun seemed on your side of the hedge, so you must not grudge me a little pomp and ceremony now. Mm. Might I ask you, Watson, to open that window? Yes, of course. Good. Now, now be so good as to put a match to the straw. A match, yes. Now we must see if we can find this witness for you, Lestrade. Might I ask you to all join in the cry of fire, Martin? Right. One, 
The shout had hardly died away when a door suddenly flew open out of what appeared to be solid wall at the end of the corridor. Watson, a bucket over the straw, please. And a little wizened man darted out of it. Lestrade, allow me to present you with your principal missing witness, Mr. Jonas Odeker. What? You mean... What have you been doing all this time, then? I've, I've done no harm. No harm? You have done your best to get an innocent man hanged. I'm sure, sir. It was only my practical joke. Oh, a joke, was it? Well, you won't find the laugh on your side, I promise you. Take him down to the sitting room, lads. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> I couldn't speak in front of the constables, Mr. Holmes. But I don't mind saying in the presence of Dr. Watson that this is the brightest thing that you have done yet. Although it's a mystery to me how you did it. You have saved an innocent man's life and prevented a very grave scandal. Which would have ruined my reputation in the force. Instead of being ruined, you will find that your reputation has been enormously enhanced. Yes, well, it's extremely good of you. Uh, now, let's see where this rat has been lurking. Yes. A lath and plaster partition had been run across the passage six feet from the end to create a small room lit by slits under the eaves. There's the advantage of being a builder. He was able to fix up his own hiding place with only that precious housekeeper of his as a confederate. I would lose no time in adding her to your bag, Lestrade. Mm. But how did you know of this place, Mr. Holmes? I made up my mind that the fellow was hiding in the house. When I placed one corridor and found it six feet shorter than the corresponding one below, it was pretty clear where he was. But how did you know he was in the house at all? The thumb mark. Ah, which you knew had not been there yesterday. Therefore, it had been put on during the night. Mm. But how? I imagine when old Acre and McFarlane were sealing packets of papers, McFarlane secured one of the seals by putting his thumb upon the soft wax. It is then the simplest thing in the world to take a wax impression from the seal <sighs> and add as much blood as he could get from a pinprick in his own finger. And old Acre did that in order to make the evidence against McFarlane absolutely damning. <gasps> Of what is the object of this deep deception? The gentleman downstairs is a very malicious, vindictive person. He was once refused by McFarlane's mother. I didn't know that. I told you to go to Blackheath first, Lestrade. Ah. Oh. Well, this injury, as he will consider it, has rankled all his life. Then things start to go against him, a speculation, I assume. He determines to swindle his creditors, first by paying money to himself... Under another name. The checks made out to Mr. Cornelius. Hmm? An identity which he would assume once he disappeared. Oh, I see. Mm. It struck him that he might not only throw pursuit off his track, but also have a crushing revenge on his old sweetheart, if he could give the impression that he had been murdered by her only child. Oh, appalling. Oh. It was a masterpiece of villainy, and he carried it out like a master. Yes until he wished to improve what was already perfect by using the thumb mark. He, he had not that supreme gift of the artist, the knowledge when to stop. Yes. Well, it's certainly enough for a charge of conspiracy, if not for attempted murder. But, it, but there were remains in the fire. An admirable touch. 
bit of Ted Douglas trade oh. or a couple of rabbits. Yes, Watson, if you ever write an account of this, I should let rabbits uh, serve your turn. Huh. Rabbits, eh? In The Norwood Builder by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Roy Marsden played Sherlock Holmes, John Moffat, Dr. Watson, Steve Hodson, Inspector Lestrade, Bill Monks, Jonas Oldacre, Pauline Letts, Mrs. Lexington, and Andrew Branch, the unhappy John Hector McFarlane. The music was written by Joss Sanglier and played by Joss Sanglier and Elizabeth Fellows. The Norwood Builder was dramatised by Grant Eustace and directed by Michael Bartlett for Daedalus Productions. Sounds like it's going to cost you. I know what to do. I'm going to CashNetUSA.com. I can apply in minutes, get an instant decision, and if approved, I could have the money in my account as soon as the same business day. When you need money fast, be the hero. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need now. The exact timing as to when your loan funds will be available will be determined by your banking institution.